Welcome to the Architecture Podcast. We're doing an emergency episode. We've got the Drudge Sirens on. We're talking about Media Math going into Chapter 7 bankruptcy. It's Friday, June 30th at 1.30 when we're recording. So this news just came out a couple of hours ago. It was broke by AdExchanger. I've got a great panel to talk about this. We have Ken Rona, the CEO of FXM. Shiv Gupta, the University U of Digital uh, founder, and Anna Milsevic, the founder of Sparrow Advisors. Um, anyone want to pr correct my pronunciation of their names or their titles? Feel feel free to jump in. Um, yeah. We all know. So I just want to give a little caveat here, which is I think every one of us is a friend of Joe in some form. Uh, we've all worked with people who worked at Media Math, so we don't want to have any confidential information. And also, um, if you're not comfortable, you know, talking about something, feel free. So Ken, in terms of disclosure, you're currently working with Joe pretty closely. Yeah, yeah, I talk to Joe every day, so uh, he's the chairman of FXM, uh, and uh, you know, I would say we're pretty close at this point. Great, um, and uh, so and Joe's an investor in architecture. Uh, unfortunately, he declined to be on the show. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll go through quickly what we know. <laughs> which is, has been reported by uh, Ad Exchanger and by Digiday, um, which is that uh, after an attempt for a last minute sale of the company, um, it, which was being entertained by, um, by um, uh, several companies, including Verve, and um, I'm uh, forgetting the name of the company that I just interviewed. What was, what was the name of the other company? Viant. Viant, thank you. Um, so Viant and Verve were both looking at it, but it didn't close. Uh, this morning, an email went out to the employees saying it was going to be shut down. The company, MediaMath, was going to be shut down, uh, and it was going into Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Um, what AdExchanger is saying, that the company's assets will be liquidated. Um, it's not a reorganization. They'll pay wages and salaries, and then the main outstanding lender will be paid back, meaning Goldman Sachs, followed by creditors. So supply side gets their money last. We'll talk about that. Um, and the majority of the 300 employees will lose their jobs. Um, so this is definitely not good news for anyone. I don't think anyone's happy to hear this news. Even the competitors are probably not super happy to hear this. Um, so let's start with how big MediaMath is. So 300 employees, that's a data point. How much gross media do we think has been running through Media Math? Gross media is pretty much the best way to judge the size and strength of a DSP. Um, I've heard numbers as high as 800 million. Someone came on my, twi my Twitter uh, account saying his research at 800 million. Some other folks are saying, well, Havas used them as their primary DSP, so it has to be actually over a billion. Um, Anna, you want to take a stab at that? I'll go around. Let's go around. Anna first. I, mean, I, I would uh, say it's probably the higher number here, mostly because of the um, uh, Havas relationship and uh, kind of who's been buying through MediaMath. It tends to uh, drift towards larger brands as well and agencies. But it's really hard to tell because most of those people have multiple DSP relationships as well. So you can't really take the entirety of somebody's spend and go oh okay this is clearly going to just one partner so i, I, I would I, I think they are a significant player in the dsp space they were you know not one of the smaller ones not a vertical one they were you know one of the three or four dsps that you think of when you think of dsp right so i i don't want to you know i, I don't want to speak out of turn here but but i think that there, there was a, a pretty big spend going through the platform through all these years of course uh, shiv you want to take a stab at a number 
Yeah, I don't, are we playing like Price is Right rules or like? No. You know, we well, we're not going to find out the truth, so we're just guessing. Yeah, that, that would be uh, good. Yeah. Whoever gets closest gets some of the assets. Would be fun. There you go. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I have no clue. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I, I think I think you know a couple of interesting things to think about to try to answer that question is like, okay, well, how much does the trade desk get? We know the trade desk gets probably like what eight, seven, eight billion a year. I think is like the gross spend that goes. I think that's on the high desk. side for trade desk, but I, I think the trade desk is more like four or five billion. Really? Okay. 4.5 is what I was. Okay. Okay. So, uh, you know, that's a data point to think about. Uh, You know, I don't know what DV is. DV is probably, I don't know, a good chunk higher than that. 10, 10, 12, something like that. Um, So, you know, I don't think media math is anywhere near those guys, right? So it's like, okay, well, let's start calibrating from there. I'd say it's probably, um, I, I would honestly go on the lower end. Um, as opposed to the higher end, because I think they've really been struggling the last few years, and that's what we've read and heard and seen. Um, I think a lot of their business uh, has started coming from resellers, I want to say, in the last few years, which is interesting to think about. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Okay. Ken, you want to take a stab? I cannot comment. Ken is conflicted. Okay, <laughs> I'll do mine, which is um, cer- certainly back when I was at Beeswax, we would think about market share a lot. And we always said basically what Shiv said, which was, you know, you have these two monsters in the five to 10 billion range, and then you go down a really big step. And the next one up, forget Amazon, but the next one up would be Media Math, and they'd be in the 1 billion range. And then there was a step down, and you got to where Beeswax was, which was around 500 million plus like DataZoo plus a bunch of others in the 500 million range. Um, I think that they've deteriorated significantly since then. I would be very surprised if like they're trailing 12 months or anywhere close to a billion. I just do the math. If they're keeping 10 to 12%, let's just say as a take rate on they're doing a billion, that would mean they'd have a hundred million in revenue against 300 employees. There's gotta be a way to make that business work. Um, the, the numbers, it doesn't make sense that they'd be in such dire shape if they were doing a billion. I, I'd say they're closer to 500 or less in the last 12 months. Yeah, and I think also just to add to that, like they are no longer number three or number four or number five, right? Like Yahoo has leapfrogged them yeah. by a good chunk, right? Like you could probably argue that Roku has probably leapfrogged them. Um, I think Beeswax is significantly bigger than them with right, less than so 100 employees. We think of MediaMath as like, oh, they're one of the top tier DSPs. They, the reality probably is they're just not anymore, right? And yeah. that's probably why this is happening. Um, so look, how did it come to this, right? So um, how much, I mean, maybe we only know what we've seen in the press, but um, there's some. There's definitely a narrative here that there was the evil private equity people that destroyed this company, um, Searchlight, and then followed by Goldman. Um, and there seems to be a little bit of truth to that, um, given that you know, Joe's not there anymore, uh, that there's been so much turmoil, that the company's seemingly been nothing but drama for five years. Um, Anyone want to throw their uh, thoughts on that one? I I don't think there's one single reason here. This seems like a very unfortunate combination of a lot of different things coming together and just basically MediaMath not catching a break at the right moment for going back 10 years now, pretty much, I think. So as much as we want to finger point at like, one set of people, I don't think it's that easy. I think there was a bit of a mismatch of the funding and the strategy uh, because they brought in a big PE 
around at a time when they actually needed to invest in the company because they were getting increasing competition. They weren't at the point where they were going to be just enjoying profits and being stable. They were actually at a point where uh, they were about to hit a typhoon of of competition from Trade Desk and others. But is is that the private equity funds problem or is that leadership problem, the board, or is it kind of a combination of both? Because I think if we rewind back, like that decision came um, after I think Media Math was pursuing a potential um, pretty pretty attractive looking acquisition if, I, if I'm grabbing yeah, the timeline right. And then yeah. that fell through. There was another sort of piece of bad luck, which is they tried to sell themselves to IBM at the exact moment that IBM decided they didn't want to do ad tech and MarTech anymore. Um, and IBM ended up spinning out a bunch of their MarTech to a company called, anyone, anyone, Symphony, Avalanche, something like that. It's like a word. Uh, if anyone can remember, please do it in the comments. Uh, <laughs> The only thing I would note, right, is, and so I, I, of course, I can't comment on any of that, but I would note that um, Searchlight came in right at the beginning of COVID or just before that. And so you yeah. could imagine um, that, you know, that, that was kind of a, a, a time, a, a kind of, as you say, part of the bad luck, right, was, um, was the timing of it. You want to talk really bad luck. Um, for World Trade Center at the beginning of COVID was some bad timing. So for anyone who has visited MediaMath, they have gorgeous offices at For World Trade Center. Um, and the rent must have just been brutal to pay every month with nobody showing up at the office. Um, that's a sort of a general entrepreneurial tip. Watch out for the real estate commitments when you're a CEO. Was that a, was that a problem at Beeswax? We yes, it was, but not as significant. So we had a very nice office on twenty seventh and seventh um, that I think we're paying eighty grand a month for it. Um, which you know, writing that check every month while no one was there was mentally painful for me. I had some real issues. I would I would need to talk to my therapist about the rent bill. <laughs> Um, but it worked out at the end. I, I feel like um, Ari's thoughts on commercial real estate in New York would be a really good, like, four-hour Joe Rogan-like rant podcast <laughs> that we should totally make happen. <laughs> My favorite thing in New York is how easy it is to spot commercial real estate guys because they're always wearing dark suits with pinstripes, and yet they have none of the other air of being sort of sophisticated or talented in any way. Uh, it's like if you literally just took, you know, a blue car worker from deep in Bay Ridge and just put a really fancy suit on them and gave them a clipboard, maybe that's commercial real estate. Um, not against that. They make more money than I do, but you know, it's, it's just a, it's a pattern. Um, so Ken, so let's talk about what you can talk about. Um, sequential liability and SSPs and publishers. What's going to happen? Like they, they must have very, MediaMath must have very substantial receivables and payables going into this bankruptcy. Uh, and I don't think you're an expert in bankruptcy, but what, you, what is the implications for their counterparties? Gosh, the sequential liability thing is just um, going to be, well, I don't want to say it's a disaster because it's hard to know but it's certainly gonna impact everyone down the chain. And so for those of folks who don't know, I would say I spent most of my time on the demand side, so I was a media buyer. Uh, and so I had no idea that even sequential liability even existed. Uh, and so now I'm, I do what's called supply chain financing. And so FXM kind of looks at the whole supply chain. And so now I'm, I'm much more in tune with like what, what transactions happen at every step of the way. Um, and so for those of the folks who don't know, into the IAB terms, 
um, is written this notion of sequential liability. And the, the, the concept is very simple. It's people um, don't have to pay until they get paid. And so for, uh, let's just say, if you're a DSP, you don't have to get, pay your SSP partners, your supply partners, until you get paid by the agencies. And, um, and so folks may not realize, but the agencies like to hang on to their money. Um, they like the float. Um, in fact, it's kind of part of their business model, right? And so there's kind of this inherent delay that starts with the agencies and then you know they wait just hypothetically, let's say they wait 90 days to pay their DSP partners, the DSP partners wait 90 days to pay their SSP partners. And so if, if you kind of add up the 90 days, if you're at the end of the chain, you're a publisher, you may not get to be paid for 360 days after you've actually delivered the impression. Uh, and, and, and so this typically doesn't happen that way. Like there's someone described it to me as a gentleman's agreement that people pay more frequently than that. Um, but I have heard horror stories where agencies don't even know they've been paid by their, by their advertisers. And so they withhold payment for everyone until someone calls them on it. Um, and so this sequential liability kind of, is kind of a um, written, written law uh, or policy way for folks not to get paid. Um, and so what happens in these situations, right, is the DSP, uh, you know, in this you know, media math um, uh, goes bankrupt, the supply, the supply SSPs don't get paid and the publishers don't get paid, right? So that's kind of the first, like, okay, now all of a sudden all of those invoices, all of those accounts receivables go away. Um, and, but then there's kind of a funny knock-on effect. Do you want to say something, Ari? You look like you were. Uh, and then there's a funny knock-on effect. Almost all of these guys, unless you're a really big um, vendor, right, you're Pubmatic, Magnite size, they all have working capital lines that are used, right, that they're actively managing their working capital. And so when you get this kind of default, your working capital lines, when it's not done as a, su a supply chain financing, but it's done, let's say, as factoring or asset-based loans, um, you have uh, covenants, right, or, or let's say holdbacks, right, where you'll only get financed to, let's say, 85% of your invoices. So you're owed a million dollars, you only get 850,000 of it, the rest of it's held back until payment. Um, in this case, though, right, now all of a sudden that 85%, let's say you've lost 10% of your invoices due to media math um, bankruptcy, now you're at 95% utilization. So so your factoring companies, your, your asset-based loan companies, you know, your JP Morgans of the world are calling you up and saying, hey, you're, you're you know, we we haven't held back enough. You either have to pay us money now, um, or we're, maybe you can negotiate a deal on the back end. But but it's going to exacerbate the cash crunch. You're going to see kind of. I think some folks are going to have a really hard two, three, four months until they can work this out. So so what you're saying is we don't have to wait for the bill for MediaMath to go past due and to not be paid. There may be a cash crunch immediately yes, um, exactly. based on that. Uh, let's take it through each each step of the way. Um, advertiser pays their agency. Let's assume that keeps happening. Um, agency that owes uh, MediaMath large amount of money, um, they're, they're not going to pay until the judge tells them, right? Right. They, they actually will probably extend the terms. They'll just say, yeah, sure, we'll pay you as soon as like someone orders us to. <laughs> right. They're, they're going to have to pay, though, right? Uh, unless they can claim some sort of breach. The agency, the accounts receivable for MediaMath will have to be complete. Uh, it'll just probably stretch quite a bit. Um, now, the accounts payable, so MediaMath owing downstream to SSPs, um, that is going to be problematic, I think, given what I read about the Chapter 7 process that was reported by Allison Schiff. So um, Goldman loaned MediaMath $150 million, and they're top of the credit stack, apparently, um, which is uh, interesting. I wonder how many SSPs realized that, that they were, they were junior to Goldman in the uh, bankruptcy process. Is, is that unusual? I mean, it seems a little no, unusual. No, very common um, 
I mean, I speak like as though I'm an expert. I've been doing this for 18 months. Um, but, but, but what would in, the, in ad tech that makes you? Yeah, that's right. I am an expert. Yeah. Brian yeah. Kelly once told me that in, I was bemoaning the fact that when I started in ad tech that I didn't really didn't, didn't know much. I've been doing it about a year. He said, "Yeah, the whole business turns over in four years. Three years from now, you'll be a stone cold expert." So he was about right. Um, no, what what happens in um, with asset based loans and and even factoring? Um, the, those are very difficult uh, to get because they are based on the credit of the of the vendor, right, of the entity. So in this case, you know, it's MediaMath's credit that they were using. It was their balance sheet, um, and so uh, those kind of subordinated loans are are like de rigueur, as it were. Right. Uh, really don't get you don't get those kind of loans without those kind of terms and and it's actually problematic because then shareholders have to sign off on it like it, it but once they're in place um they're um they're difficult to get in place but once they're in place like you're kind of stuck with them right and so how much money so uh, well, let's talk about publishers so the ssps are going to get paid you know maybe pennies on the dollar we really don't know um well, well wait a minute before we move on to publishers do we okay. think that any ssps might be existentially threatened by this immediately as well well, uh, you know, I'll chat. One thing I'll point out is that Wall Street hasn't noticed this happened yet. Uh, so both Magnite and Pubmatic shares are flat. Trade Desk is flat. Uh, all these people, well, and, and I'm not saying they should crash, but you could. We're talking about maybe twenty, fifty million dollars of cash going away, and Wall Street didn't notice as of one thirty this afternoon. Everybody's on holiday. That's They're true. Wake up on Wednesday and go. Oh. And the trade desk is about to, you know, have the best quarter in history, and no one seems to care about that either. Did you um, make but, some trades, Ari? Did you make some trades? I did not. I, I, I unfortunately sold my trade desk about a month ago for various economic reasons. Um, so, um, okay, so will publishers get screwed here? Uh, what happened to Seismic? Did anyone, anyone want to talk about what happened when Seismic went under? Anyone? I don't have background. <laughs> um, I, 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 really I can make something up. <laughs> <laughs> I believe the SSPs ended up not clawing back from their publishers. In that case, they took the hit um, on Seismic because they want to maintain the relationship. The problem, one of the problems here, is that if a SSP chooses to uh, not pay their publishers or to claw back what they have already paid to the publishers, it could be a relationship killer. Um, and as we all know, SSPs are kind of interchangeable and have a fairly vicious competitive profile. Um, so you don't want to be the one who didn't pay. But if the dollar is big enough, you might have to be, have a conversation. So, so it's interesting because they're in a kind of a vicious bake-off between each other. They're almost incentivized to behave almost altruistically here. Right. And, uh, and, and <laughs> that, that's maybe not entirely bad. I, I don't know. So how much how much could it be? If so, we were guessing earlier that how much media goes through media math, ranging from you know the three hundred to eight hundred to maybe a billion dollars. Let's let's call it five hundred, and let's say they're one hundred twenty days, like basically one third of a year of payables is sitting on their books. Um, that would mean that there'd be someone could do the math here, like one hundred thirty million dollars in fees to SSPs and publishers that could disappear. Does that math make sense to anybody? Ken, does that sound right to you? Sounds right to me. How much of it, how much of it, is there like an estimation of how much of it can be recovered? So it's like, 
Is all of it gone? Probably not all of it, right? Well, I think we'll, we think the receivables will be collected. Um, okay. So uh, I think the main question is going to be how much does Goldman take, how much do the employees in Goldman take before the publishers get paid? And we know the line from Goldman was 150, but we don't know how much of it was taken out. Presumably most of it if they went bankrupt. I wonder if we can get, if we, we can look at what happened with Seismic to kind of estimate, right? But I don't know what that number is. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll find out. Someone will see the actual bankruptcy filing. It'll come out relatively soon. Um, uh, it's probably out somewhere that we can find it for better sleuths. But this is not a journalistic enterprise. We're just having fun here. Um, so let's talk about marketers. So, let's, so um, what I've heard from multiple sources is that if you were running campaigns on MediaMath, they're just going to stop at midnight tonight, and you have to find somewhere else to advertise. Um, this, this, so, by, the way, by the way, this is a problem with the whole sequential liability thing that um, it, it, it when when these kind of per, um, interruptions of service happen, it ripples through the whole supply chain, right? I mean, of course, great for trade desk, you know, the, yeah. some of the SSPs are going to be like, oh, no, we're holding the bag on the money public, like, but they're going to have to reconfigure their waterfalls. Like there's a bunch of like stuff that has to happen and, you know, that people haven't looked at in years, right? So <laughs> there's going to be, there's going to be kind of campaign delivery for the next few weeks is going to be a bit askew, I would guess. Yeah, someone's going to have a really bad July 4th weekend. They'll be wishing that they were in the hot dog eating contest. Um, Shiv, how hard is it to switch DSPs quickly? Shiv, I think you're muted. I'm on mute. Um, I think it's pretty hard. I don't think it's easy. Uh, I think there's a reason why, you know, a lot of big advertising agencies use multiple platforms. So I think for those guys, like shifting some stuff around probably won't be a huge deal. But there's plenty that are that are just in on one platform, right? Like we've been talking about consolidation, and and I think also like I mentioned resellers earlier. I personally know a bunch of like entrepreneurs that have started companies where they're selling data or like inventory or doing some kind of like audience extension type of thing, and they're all in with Media Math, right? So like to me, I'm I'm not necessarily thinking about you know big six agencies or big advertisers that are probably using three, four, five, six platforms because it's easy for them to pivot. I'm thinking more about those resellers that are all in on media math and then also maybe smaller agencies that just don't have the bandwidth to run three or four platforms simultaneously. And it's not easy to light up a new one. You know? Anna, how many? How often do you talk to marketers? Because you, you do a lot of business with marketers that, where they have multiple DSPs, they feel like they're interchangeable, or is it like, or is it a tough, tough switch? Uh, marketers who run most of this in-house or work with a de dedicated agency typically have fewer partners. So maybe they will work with one DSP in North America and a different one in Asia. Uh, but, but that's about it. Uh, they, they'll, they'll have a, a smaller selection there. I think in, in media math's case in particular, what usually would make them particularly attractive was that you could build all of this stuff on top of media math. And it's that stuff that somebody's built on top that is incredibly difficult to migrate and just switch to, to something else. So that's the layer that's going to be, be struggling. I know Ken has lived this multiple times in the past, probably, with uh, everything from ad servers to, I don't know, pick a technology. But, but it's that kind of intelligence that you build on top of a platform that is um, impossible to migrate at short notice. Yep. And it's interesting because very few companies even consider a contingency plan of any kind when it comes to this type of technology. 
Right. Ken, so, yeah. what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> I had two. One is on the technology side, so I'll, I'll just pile on with Anna. Um, you know, at Chalice, uh, you know, we, we were doing integrations to each of the DSPs, and I just, the way I described it is each of the DSPs speak a different language for custom bidding um, and automation. And so, um, you know, MediaMath spoke French and other, uh, you know, trade desks speak Swahili, right? So you have to kind of translate between the two. And so that building that kind of functionality, like for a, for a given DSP, Probably, you know, in Chalice's case, in Chalice has kind of a fairly narrow use case, six to eight weeks, I would guess, like yeah. just you know, hypothetically. Very API under, driven. Under That's very API circumstances, driven. right? Not like, oh my God, my yeah, house yeah, yeah. is on 100%. fire. Yeah. Second thing I would say is from a business perspective, right? It is not trivial to get a contract signed, you know, through, go, you know, just, to, you know, give Trade Desk a call today and see how long it takes to actually get the contract all the way through legal. Like not trivial. And so, you know, Yahoo, I would think the same thing, you know, Xander. And so there's just an inherent, I, mean, I could imagine an eight week delay if yeah. you're a small agency advertiser just getting through the legal process even worse than that. There are going to be some folks who are just going to be dead in the water. Uh, I, I would be my, would be my well, I almost wonder if like some of the smaller DSPs, like the long tail DSPs actually pick up a bunch of money right now, like Chuzel and like, like Stack Adapt, like yep. those are easier to light up, no contracts, no minimums, just like, hey, I just need to move some money over now. So yeah, Trade Desk's obviously gonna see a windfall. Yahoo will probably get a bunch of money from those bigger guys. But like mid-sized agencies, they're like, I just gotta light something up, you know? Yeah, the worst case scenario is that you only have one DSP contract with MediaMath. That's probably pretty rare. I think most people have a DV360 because of the monopoly position of YouTube. Um, so, um, so the second worst scenario is where you have you use MediaMath in some interesting way with their APIs or log files and things like that. Now we're talking two to four weeks to figure out how to do it on another system, maybe more if it's more complicated. And best case scenario is you're live with multiple DSPs and your ad ops people are about to pull an all-nighter or an all-holiday all weekend experience. And even that's pretty bad because you'll have a big interruption in reach and frequency management, big interruption in conversion management, all kinds of other problems. I so, think that's the best case. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the best, <laughs> that's the best case, yeah. Um, so this is this – is, not great um and and some people may say tell with it i'm just gonna put all my money in meta and google which is always a default choice um unfortunately um all right let's talk about the employees it's, it's so a, you know start of a new quarter so it's like the the risk element of just making a stupid decision is very low at this time because you can recover later on so oh, you know i even forgot it's the end of the quarter so you know a lot of campaigns end on the end of a quarter i bet people just won't start new ones or will yeah. delay the new one starting Ari, you're it, not running a DSP anymore, huh? I I am DSP not running board. a DSP. I do not have a PL. I do not have a board. Uh, so I do Quite not. Obvious. June thirtieth is not a special date for me anymore. T today is like bankruptcy day, by the way. Like this is not the only bankruptcy announcement coming out. There's a couple of like um, smaller brands announcing bankruptcies and stuff. Not nothing at this. Nothing in Level and extent, no, this is in other sectors, but like if you want to go bankrupt this year, like this is <laughs> today's the day. This is okay. today's the day. It's a good time. Cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's la let's talk about employees. So um, 300 employees was the number that's reported by Ad Exchanger. Yeah. Sounds right to me. Um, so, and, how's and the that job? Was after they, they had, um, I think, two sets of cuts. Um, right. One at the beginning of the year, and I think there was one um, when everybody cut last year as well. So, so that starting number was uh, higher, um, but yeah, ending was about three hundred. 
And they had brought on some executives in the past couple of months mm -hmm. um, who will now be looking for new jobs. Uh, but let's let's not go into any specific people. Let's just talk in general. How's the job market if you're, uh, you're, you know, trained ad tech professional, Shiv? Like if I'm a mid-level account manager, customer support, ad ops, am I getting another job this summer? I just good. need to tell you all that Shiv is viciously like just shaking his yeah. head no. Yeah, like, he's, it's really he's, bad. Yeah. It's really bad. Um, and like you would think that, oh, like the stocks are going up, like ad tech's back, baby. And like, oh, you know, Magna put out this this forecast and it's not all that bad. No, if the job market's still pretty bad, um, you know, I, I, people reach out to us all the time, like, hey, I'm, I'm still looking, or you have any opportunities? And like, the opportunities just still aren't there. Uh, I think, obviously, like Google, Meta, and Amazon, um, I think they're a bellwether, obviously, for hiring. And like, they obviously let a ton of people go. They haven't started rehiring yet. I think they will probably at some point. They just haven't started. Um, and so, it's tough. It's really hard. And like 300 extra ad tech people in market makes it all, all that much harder. ChatGPT is not doing ad ops yet. Anyone know, anyone want to shout out companies that are hiring in ad, ad tech? So. Uh, I hate to say it, but I think the trade desk is still hiring. <laughs> trade desk is hiring. And they have a very nice, if you want to talk about real estate, they have a really nice office on Bryant Park. Um, so hopefully that won't turn into a liability at any point. Um, yeah, it's a shame. I think we all uh, feel for the people who lost their jobs. Um, anyone want to text me? I'll help you out, find a job. On the plus side, I think MediaMath has had some really, you know, really stellar people over the years, and I'm hoping that the MediaMath alumni network is going to do their thing here and, and find, you know, soft landings for, for some of the people that have been impacted and it's, you know, it's only, there's only so much you can do when something like this happens. So I, I see that working on LinkedIn already. And that's, that's very nice to, well, to and, see. And let, and let me kind of follow on. Um, I was at X plus one and I used to say X plus one was a great place to be from. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so the, the, it was amazing people there. Uh, you know, people went on to do really great things and continue. I mean, John Nardone, you know, has had, you know, five good runs or something. Um, but you know, also like the, the, the more junior staff too, they're now very senior. Um, and so I think it's the same thing at media math, you know, Joe, Joe always wound up kind of attracting very high caliber talent around him. Absolutely. I feel like half the industry has worked at media math at some point. Um, so, um, so we, we hope for the best for the people who were affected today, um, including the SSPs and their accounts receivable groups. We feel for you. Um, uh, we hope everybody has a great July 4th. All right. So I want, let's call it here. Uh, so I want to thank the esteemed panel, Ken, Shiv and Anna. Uh, this is a great conversation. Thank you. Thanks, Art. Thank Thanks for you. asking. Thanks for asking us in. I just want to say for, for, I think for everyone, it's just sad. That's like the prevailing feeling is one of sadness and I wish the outcome was different, but here we are and off into the holiday weekend we go. Yeah. I hope you enjoy this sad podcast over the weekend. All right. Thank you again. <laughs> on, on that happy note. <laughs> yep.